so today on the telecast, we're doing something different. Yeah, you you are in trouble. This is an experiment, semi-live, recorded live in front of a no studio audience, but the internet. So uh, we're going to talk to Tracy Parsons. Parsons, we're going to see if uh, James speaking to other human beings is a thing that could work. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand and recruiting podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. Thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time for joining in, we do things a little differently. We try and do deep dives. There's not a lot of interviews here. There's not a lot of news here. This is about how do we get smarter and better? And that means how do I get you smarter and better? How do I get you to think about these problems at a deeper level so that you can solve them and look like a genius to your boss? If this isn't the first time you've been here, thanks so much for returning. Feel free to share with your friends, your coworkers, your boss. I don't know. Uh, we really do appreciate that. All right, let's get into it. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Yeah, welcome to TalentCast. I'm your host, James Ellis, obviously, because who else would I be? Except for the first time in a very, 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 very long time, two years, in fact, uh, I'm joined by a guest. So I, this is an experiment. Uh, we've never done this before. Uh, this isn't an interview thing. I really hate interview podcasts. I think they end up kind of doing the same thing. So this is a conversation. For lack of a better word, I wanted to invite some friends of mine over to talk and argue and tell me where I'm full of crap. Um, Maybe give me the opportunity to tell them where I think they might be potentially full of crap, but probably not. Uh, So we're just going to try this thing. So I want to introduce to you someone you probably know. If you don't, I don't understand what rock you've been hiding under. It's Tracy Parsons, formerly of Smashfly, now of Parsons Strategic Consulting. Uh, She's kind of a genius and kind of great and kind of amazing and kind of uh, someone I I dare to call a friend which is probably presumptuous and she's not going to you know disabuse me of that notion on the on the on the air as it were but later after we hang up she'd be like James we're not friends we're not friends at all so we're going to welcome to the stage as it were Tracy Parsons say hello Hey everybody, uh, James. I think it's important to note that, and that this is good that it's not on video because I was doing epic contortions with my face when you were saying all of those things about me. Like I was just like, "What are you talking about? Of course we're friends. Don't be ridiculous." <laughs> and what do you mean, genius? And and I know you asked me on as the first person because I am full of shit. So, yeah. and you're a sucker, which is why I love you. So yeah, that's true. It's that's perfect. True. This yeah, is perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Let's experiment, man. We'll get we'll get smart people later. You and I will be replaced by actual smart human beings with experience and and, and ex- expertise. Uh, we are just the the, te- the stunt doubles, the test dummies for this process. Or we'll just get the robots to do it, which is all I've been talking about oh, lately. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's. Oh goodness. Uh, Let's just yeah, get the robots going. <laughs> Fire up those robots, people. Maybe you know what you've just made me think. Maybe this needs to be a very different conversation. Let's just talk about and complain about robots. Maybe that's a different episode. Um, yeah, if you don't know Tracy, Tracy's great. If you haven't seen her speak, you are missing out. She is fantastic. Um, I get to talk a lot, and I love to see her speak. She's just so open and personable and honest and you know, just telling you what the real shit is, and she's fantastic. So if you get a chance to see her, go see her. Uh, if you get a chance to work with her, go work with her. Anyway, let's dive into some actual podcasty type conversations. And that is, uh, like I said, I want to have this conversation. So we're just starting with a prompt and I'm going to answer the question and Tracy's going to answer the question and we're going to argue with each other. But the first one is very simple. Why is it that recruiting in the business, you know, the biz, uh, why don't they get along historically in practice on a day-to-day basis? Why don't these two seemingly well-aligned, seemingly in it together, seemingly on the same page organizations never seem to be on the same page? 
the, the, there's so many answers to this, right? So, like, I, there's there's a thousand reasons. But I was I was talking. I will to somebody. count. I will count. <laughs> I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and I was one of the things that I wanted to like address is why is there a disconnect between HR and TA? Mm. Right. And then there's the disconnect between the business and HR and TA. Right. So there's there's layers of disconnect. And I yeah. think like when you think about hiring managers and, and TA, I think they're they're functioning in a completely unique universe. So I was working on uh, a project not too long ago with a healthcare company and I did focus groups with hiring managers and recruiters and I asked them to map out their processes. And okay, right. So, and then, and then the end of this was like, okay, overlaying those yeah. processes, and they had no idea yeah. what one hand was doing and what the other hand was doing. And they yeah, all like, do you thought, even work in the same company? Is this in the same industry? Do you have, have you met? Yeah. Do you know each other? <laughs> well, and it was it was this, and I see this as like an epic blame game, right? So, uh, hiring managers blame recruiters for not getting them the talent they need fast enough. Talent or uh, recruiters blame hiring managers and talent. And meanwhile, talent's out there outside the door going would somebody please look at me <laughs> i submitted my resume weeks ago hello you can't stop complaining i'm right here i'm, I'm right, right here, here. Yeah. i'm right here and i jumped through all your hoops and i did all the things that you needed me to do but they're banging on the window and they're yeah. busy they're busy inside pointing fingers at each other yeah um but when i think about like hr and ta and i was talking to um talking to somebody in, you know well regarded in this space and i was like what you have more experience on the HR side. Tell me what's going on there. And she's like, well, at, at the end of the day, you know, HR, there's a good portion of HR that are policy wonks, right? Mm -hmm. They want to write policy to get this standardization. And first of all, you know what people love? Policy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? That's not a, a thing. HR lives and exists purely for the existence and creation of rules and, and application of rules. That's the that's right. What they live for, and and I, my wife is is a very rules driven human being, and how we get along is beyond me most days. But she's very rule driven. I just see that every time in HR, they just well, this must be the rule, so let's follow the rule, let's build the rule, right, and let's make it universal for everyone, yes, right? Yes. So, and let's create let's create this environment that we're gonna these are the rules that we're all gonna abide by, and we're all gonna sign these papers, and we're gonna sit through those yeah. horror horrifying training sessions, and this is what we're gonna do. And they're and, all in service of the single goal of how do we not get sued? Yes! You can't you can't yell at us because because we treated everybody exactly the same poorly. So it just, you know, no, no business got done, nothing valuable happened, but at least we didn't get sued. So check but we the did box. Not get, so risk mitigation, right? Yeah, so exactly. all about rules, risk mitigation. And then TA is about bringing new people in, right? Yeah. They're about making sure that they're they're about selling. And I'm not saying recruiting is sales in some respects it, it is. is. It is. Um, and I know that, I, I think I wrote a blog post about that for Social Media Explorer like six or seven years ago, like recruiting <laughs> is sales. If you get a, If you get an extra time, in your life you should google that um but it was it was this hey you guys you're in sales so i look at this like i just left a software company and i love software i had a software company before i went to smashfly um, i had my own startup and i understand software um but i look at hr and ta as product and customer success right so hr mm. and, and product are like okay we have these business rules this is what we're going to make we're going to make this thing and this is what it's going to do and these are our policies these are our risk mitigation this is our plan and then sales goes out and sells them whatever the customer needs to hear yeah, yeah right exactly. and then sales comes back it scratches your back it slices <laughs> and dices it makes perfect julienne fries it's fantastic you should buy yes yes right and it's not a bag of glass i swear to god so when <laughs> perfect for kids <laughs> perfect for kids 
So they, are you selling Bassomatics? Is that where we, we've gone to? We it's just, entirely possible. I'm fantastic. selling Bassomatics. Fantastic. You can find that on my website. So <laughs> then they get back together and like, well, why doesn't it do that thing, right? So, <laughs> and then there's this there's this immediate friction. So again, I think there's friction with not within the HR function, within mm-hmm. the people function, mm-hmm. that then manifests itself. And I think the second big reason, and this is something that I think we are going to both completely agree on, uh, is Holy smokes, do the C-suite not care about HR because we don't measure oh my God. anything? Oh, my God. We Just, don't measure anything. And the feedback loops are so are so long. I mean, like, for example, how do you know you hired someone successful? Well, Correct. if you say they showed up day two, I think that's a pretty low bar. If you – the real ultimate – my goal, you know, the, the my mind, the ultimate metric of success is we promoted them twice. You can't – That's a good one. That, okay. That's how you know this person really fits. They really get what you're about. They're working really hard. They're working towards the same things you're working towards. But, of course, to do that, you need a crystal ball that can see two and three, four years down the future, which obviously is impossible. So the feedback is so poor. Yeah. Well, and I, I would I would take a – I would – am I you're here? here? You're here. You're good. Okay. Um, I would I would alter that just a little. I Go. love the idea of – I love the idea of, hey, if we've promoted you twice – that means that you're that you're a high performer or some semblance you're a of quality. Perfect hire, right? On the flip side, the just funneling of humans into management roles mm. is not a sustainable model. Fair, fair point. Right. So maybe we've got people that should be individual contributors for their whole whole life. Mm-hmm. We've got to figure out a way to determine if that individual contributor is actually a quality hire. And I'm sure, like you know, when you look at sales functions or you look at some things that are measured, but that's the thing. Like we can't seem to figure out how we're going to measure this and translate mm-hmm. our measurement to that C-suite to really get that seat at the table. Yeah, because, because we this... talk in soft metrics. Yeah, exactly. Because all the C-suite cares about are three things. I've said this many times: making money, saving money extending the brand to people who actually buy the damn thing and if you can't talk in one of those three things shut up because yeah. everything else is yes ma'am it's, it just it just doesn't connect these are people who care about sales they're people who care about revenue they're people who care about uh, profit and everything else is in service of those three ideas correct and we have to start talking like that in ta yeah yeah right absolutely. we have to and we have to talk about you know hey if we could implement a solution that's going to reduce our time to fill by 10 days, that mm-hmm. equals X dollars that the business is saving. Exactly. exactly. Right? And we have to start thinking about that. And I know you're mm-hmm. a big brand guy. I love employer brand. We have to figure out how to measure that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm stunned how many times I talk about this idea of uh, you have to measure it in those three things and someone in a conference or someone will speak up and say, so how is it possible to know, to your point, how much income is lost when the hire doesn't happen for another week? And I'm like, that is straight. I mean, honestly, that is the easiest metric in the world. Yes. But it's, it's amazing that recruiting, HR, TA, they, they just seem to not see it. It's right there in front of them, but they won't see it. So, you know, like, well, we don't know how much income that person drives. I'm like, screw the income part. Let's just go real simple. Let's just say if you're going to pay this person $50,000 a year, that means you assume they're at least bringing $50,000 worth of value back to the business. Take $50,000 as your baseline metric. If that person is out of war- out of the room for a week, you've lost $1,000. If the hiring manager says, yeah, can we look at a few more people? Yeah, that's going to take four more weeks. That's going to cost you $4,000. It's very simple. You don't have to worry about how many sales did we make or how much, you know, what is their actual average revenue per employee? That stuff is 
overly complicating things, which of course is HR's world, right? But to just focus on if you're going to pay that person, that's a good baseline of money you left on the table. And I like that simple that rule that rule for simplicity. Like this is what the value that they're bringing, obviously. But I'm a big believer in revenue per employee. Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's the simplest metric. How many people do you get? How many people do you have? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How much money did you guys bring in last year? Yeah. Divide. Yeah, and these are all really simple rules of thumb, but enough to make a good conversation, especially with a hiring manager, especially with the C-suite to say, if we don't have a good candidate experience, if you don't have a good strong employer brand, if you don't have a good uh, interview pool process, if you ha- don't have D&I in, in investments, this is what it costs. It's a very simple translation into something that the C-suite goes, oh, I get it. And of course, the value of once the C-suite gets it, the value is the C-suite turns to you and says, well, if you're going to save us $50,000, would you like $40,000 to make that happen? And exactly. I don't think any recruiter has ever had that conversation. Like no, no one has ever offered a recruiter four and a half cents, let alone $40,000. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, that's the miss. And I will also add like some of the things that I've been focusing lately on with customers is I, I'm trying to get people to think a little bit differently about candidate experience. And I am actually using air quotes despite Good. the fact that I'm on camera. Yeah. Um, I, I Everybody has talked about the funnel for the last five or six years. And, and I think you and I agree that the funnel is bullshit. There is, is no funnel. Yeah, especially since I definitely did my share to uh, popularize or, you know, cement it as a conversation. It's like when I first started at the agency a million years ago, the funnel was like how you got in to say, here's a new way of thinking. And you're 100% right. It's kind of fallen apart in the meantime. Well, yeah, and I one of the things I was talking to somebody recently, like, so if we're talking about candidate experience, we're literally talking about one sliver of this funnel. Mm-hmm. And we also assume that everybody dies after they're hired because that <laughs> funnel, right? The funnel uh-huh. right now ends uh-huh. at hire. Uh-huh. Apparently, once they're hired, they're dead, dead. to you. Dead to okay? you. So one of the conversations I was having last year with a company, I was like, I don't know if you realize this, but if your turnover is X mm-hmm. and your mm-hmm. average salary is Y, you're letting tens of millions of dollars walk out the door every year. Yep. Why are you doing So I've been trying to talk about not the funnel but the inf- the talent infinity loop. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about quote unquote candidate experience, we really need to talk about talent experience. Mm-hmm. What is the life cycle of that employee? So when you and I are talking about okay, how long does this role sit open and how much money can we save? How many people exit the organization 60 days post review period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your reviews are broken. Yeah. Right? So I'm trying to look at these experiences and, and try and find the pits and the peaks for my customers and take yeah. the pits and turn them into peaks. Yeah. Um, because, you know, first day of work. First day of work, you show up and somebody might be there mm-hmm. and you might get a computer Right? And, and we're running into this all the time. Like yeah. we've all had this experience. Yeah, there's no what, shortage of data that says onboarding is crucial for long-term success. Right. And then there's then there's the review cycles, mm-hmm. right? And all of these things contribute to TA being able to be successful because the more people that exit your organization, the more wrecks you have. Yeah, yeah. You got to plug up the funnel, plug up the leaks before you can fill the top of the bucket. Correct. And yeah. let's not assume they die after hire. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to a client and I asked them, 
you know, what what happens when someone quits? And they were all said the same thing. It's like these, the, the, you know, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, how in the heck are you going to get one, a good glass door review, two, referrals after the fact, and three, let's be fair, boomerangs are real. Boomerangs are not a myth. They're, I'm seeing them everywhere. They're never coming back to you. And you have effectively burnt off a source of, of referrals and, you know, like positive engagement and yes. let alone hires. I mean, direct hires. And just because it's it, it behooves you or it, your ego's bruised that someone would deign to leave you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's real. I, and sometimes I think it's that the humans are where all of us humans are getting in the way of actual progress in this space. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That is a really good way to put right? it. Right? Because I was, I, I think I blogged about this yesterday. I was, I was riffing on the thank you note lady. Mm. And um, I was like, okay, so let's think about this for a second. And we're talking about experiences and we're absolutely asking candidates to do 5,000 things more than we're actually doing for yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. And, and we don't, you know, I think one of my, one of my notes was like, and by the way, I've written probably 10,000 thank you notes. Probably, that's hyperbole, but yeah. I've written a lot. Yeah. Um, because sometimes I just interview for practice it's just (laughs) fun yeah um so you know i've written all these thank you notes and gosh not once did anybody write me a thank you note nope not once right yeah so and and we put them through all these hoops we put them through all this nightmare and and we don't give them anything out of it it's 1997 isn't it don't we don't don't we as the hiring entity have all the power and they should be begging us for a job i'm pretty Sure. sure yeah that's you know that's why podcasts are working so well it's 1997 right and you know what i say to all that nonsense you keep going with that nonsense, yeah, yeah. but do not ever ask me where the good people are. Yeah. <laughs> You've simply alienated them. They're all out there. They're just that, done with yeah. you. Yeah, and that's the, the every for every recruiter who says, I can't find good talent, and the answer is, no, no, let me translate that for you. The good talent doesn't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And there's a million reasons why, and some of them are your fault. Some of them aren't, but some of them are absolutely your fault. Well, and let's think like... Let's think about that. So I've, I'm, I don't know about you, but I've had instances in my career where I've had an incredible candidate and hire experience. Incredible. They've done everything. They've done everything right. Mm-hmm. They sent me, maybe they thought, it, they sent me a thank you email, like all mm-hmm. the people I met with did that. Like I was mm-hmm. like, what the hell? Yeah. And, they, and I get there and you know, you, you know when you work in the world that we work in, you are scrutinizing everybody mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you talk to, right? Like I am, I am digging in. Yep. I want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly about this organization before I join it. And this happened to me once. Perfect hiring process. So excited. Get there. Leave nine months later Ooh. because I have buyer's remorse. It's not what they sold me. Mm. And one of the challenges that we have is that we're consistently doing that. Mm-hmm. We're creating a decent experience. We're putting out a brand that is. If it's differentiated, congratulations, yeah. because everything I'm reading right now re- reads employer bland. Yeah. And, but then we get there and it's not what you sold them. It's that product and sales kind mm. of thing. Yeah, you've over-optimized on that one muscle. So it's like, if you decide yes. I'm gonna work up just my bicep and you're like, look at all, I can I can curl 200 pounds. Like, that's amazing. But you can't pick up a 20 pound weight because your back isn't strong enough to bear the weight of everything else. It's like, if you just focused on that one muscle and you've right. made it amazing, but it doesn't stand up for the rest of the weight. So people walk up going, you've over-optimized for candid experience. You've over-optimized for selling that opportunity. But when you show up, it's, it's lies and you're right that 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 that, that painful that to think all the energy and resources and thought process that it went went into how do we make this an amazing sales process like just put half of that into the actual employee experience and then i leave nine i want to leave nine months later 
but I'm nervous because now I'm a job hopper. Mm. Right? Think... So we trap these people for two years of their lives yeah. in a bad experience, mm-hmm. and they're not going to say anything nice about you. So there, there's this there's this realism that has to start happening if we're going to make any dent here. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Look at the data that says if you change jobs every two years, you inherently have like a 10 or 20% higher salary than yep. if you stick around. Do not tell me that it's those millennials or those Generation X or those whatevers who oh, are don't job get me hoppers. Started on the it's like you've, in, you've incentivized them to leave. You've made it so that the game is clear. It's like it's like playing Monopoly and say, well, how dare you pick up $200 every time you pass go? It's like, it's right there. You've I made know. it very clear. That's how I make my money. Give me a break. So far, so good? Fantastic. But if you can't get enough of this stuff, I have some news. You can bring the James Ellis experience to your event or company. Just go to jamesellis.us and learn about all the kinds of custom presentations I can build and deliver for you or your team. But if it's time to get some hands-on help with your employer branding, recruiting, and hiring, either from the ground up or some strategic support, I would love to help. Just reach out to Proactive Talent or ProactiveTalent.com. That's where I work and we can help you hire better. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get back to it. Right. And it doesn't make any sense to me. So like I think that there's I think that there's the whole measurement piece. Mm-hmm. I think that there's an epic amount of imbalance between the in the in the HR suite, right? They're not talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Like just to the story we were talking about a second ago, I was sold something that's not really culturally true. Mm-hmm. Right. And so those things aren't married. The employee yeah. experience and the candidate experience aren't married, which is why I've been talking about talent experiences. Those audi- those groups need to be sitting in a room together, mapping this stuff out mm-hmm. so that it's true and real. And you know what ends up happening? People stay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, and when people stay, you have fewer wrecks to fill all the time. Right. Because based on the number of jobs I see posted, every company in the world is experiencing 75 percent year on year growth. That's amazing. Isn't it? (laughs) Except all they're doing is shuffling the deck every 20 minutes. Like you get this card and I'll take your card. It's like we're poaching. All we're doing is poaching from each other. Well, and that's what I've been talking about to to a lot of different people is I was I was looking at this um, cell phones. Right. So Mm -hmm. I dude, I love my iPhone. It's my favorite. And um, and I hate switching phones. Okay, I just do. Okay. I hate switching banks. I don't like switching. Period. Yeah. I'm I'm a creature of habit. Definitely, I like my things the way I like my things. But um, but so cell phones have I was reading not too long ago are starting to decline in production. Like they're they're down in production. They're yeah. producing fewer cell phones because people are buying. So there's market penetration like yeah. never before. Yeah, it's like ninety seven percent or something insane. Exactly. So what? everybody has been focusing on in that space is two different strategies to get new and retain. Mm -hmm. And the cell phone industry has amazing switcher strategies, like how are we gonna get somebody to switch from Android to iPhone? Mm -hmm. And then they have great upgrade strategy. Mm Right? How are we going to get this this new phone to be sexier to the person that we want to upgrade? A clear path to stay. A clear path inwards. Correct. Why does TA only have switcher strategy? Mm Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. And we have no at, upgrade strategy. Yeah, you look at the data that says the company would much rather hire and pay the premium, a $10,000, $20,000 salary premium for an outside expert than it would be to 
promote someone from within or someone who has that skills, but you're so used to them and you just see them as a individual contributor. You see them not as an expert, as a junior level. Oh yeah. Hey, if you took that 10 or 20%, took a 10th of it, handed it to that employee and said, it's development b budget, go get good. You'd save so much money, but it's so easier just to go get the, sh I mean, it's all shiny object syndrome. Well, and it's not even easy anymore to go get new. That's also true. Right, so uh, we've we've reached market penetration on jobs at this yeah, point in time. Yeah, there aren't sure. as many, right? So it's time for us to start thinking about upgrade strategy, and and how we're going to get people to upgrade their their career within mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. walls. Yeah. Um, and then there's this whole like again, humans getting in the way of everything. Um, but then you're going to make me have that person that I think is a star on my team. I mean, you're going to promote them to somewhere else, and they're not going to cover my butt yeah. because they're oh not going to be my star, right? So I'm like, yeah. you have to stop doing that. Yeah, the fric the friction internal to a company is insane. It it's is. Like, yeah, and that becomes and that happens because the higher manager who's letting someone go doesn't trust recruiting to go find a body and put it in place that's at least as good as the person letting go in a timely manner. If they felt like there was a level of trust that says, look, if I let Susan go to get become amazing rock star at some other team, you're gonna bring me the Susan 2.0. This is an opportunity to upgrade my talent, not, uh -huh. a, not sitting twiddling my thumbs for three months waiting for you to bring me someone plausible, feasible, good enough. And that's, yeah, yeah and that's, a, that's a function, that's the friction of, of lack of trust. And look, we got back to full circle the original question. Indeed, indeed. I know, how about that? Well played. I was uh, on Blind, which is my favorite favorite uh, uh, train wreck to watch. Okay, what uh, in the heck is Blind? Really? No. Seriously? Okay, okay so it's an app. It okay. Is, think of it as Glassdoor, but completely and truly anonymized. Oh. And it's, though I would say it is definitely leaning towards the tech community in the obvious tech community, you know, geographics. Um, but it's a lot of, you know, if you want to see a 26-year-old complain that they're only getting 160000 a year instead of 165000 a year, have I got an app for you. It is just epic the things these people will complain about. But every once in a while, you just see these nuggets of gold. And I, some, I, 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 I can't tell you what company it was, but I said, uh, someone effectively says, I don't know what company our employer brand team works at, but I want to work there. Oh man! And I was like, oh, oh, I, I guess ouch. kudos to the employer brand team, and maybe you have some issues to deal with. Maybe there's something, yeah. some bigger problems here. Maybe you've overpolished that particular turd. Okay, you want to hear something funny? I've been, um, I've been on a couple of projects this year, and uh, part of those projects is interviewing silver medalists. Oh. No, it's beautiful. Really? I absolutely love this work. Oh, it's so entertaining. Do tell. Do tell. Um, and, you know, just kind of talking them through their candidate experience. And I think I've talked to about 40 silver medalists wow. in the last two or three months. So a couple of insights. One, none of them remember the application being difficult. Interesting. Okay. So we're solving. And, so stop solving the wrong problem. Well, keep solving the roads. Keep solving that problem because when I dug into it, it was always... I've had worse. <laughs> so we've <laughs> it so was, we've essentially trained people yeah, to be tortured. Stick your poking in the eye. I, just you've blunted it. It's not bad. It's not it's too bad. It's less sharp it's, it's, than it's, the last yeah, stick. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Okay. So that was one of them. So we've essentially trained people to endure mm -hmm. almost anything that we throw at them mm -hmm. 
for this opportunity and they don't they don't care. Although in we did a mass survey as well, one of the survey respondents said if you wanted to humiliate and dehumanize people, you would simply make them apply to jobs over and over again mm-hmm. and never hear back. I was like, girl, Ouch. yow. Okay but, okay, but that begs the question, yeah. should we be investing in a quote unquote better application process if yes. one, the audience doesn't mind that it's a sharp, it's a stick, just as long as it's not too sharp. And two, would they really notice a difference because the bar is so low? So that's a really great question and something that I dug into a little bit more in those interviews. And, and we didn't even practice this. this is no, fantastic. I know. This is, it's, thanks for feeding me that softball. Um, so that was funny because I was like, well, how would you feel? First, and I asked him, I was like, how would you feel if there was no application? Mm-hmm. Okay. About 60% of the people said that would feel really shady. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I bet they went. Could you repeat that question? There's right. no way you could have just asked what I think you just asked me. Right, and and the, they they would always follow it up. Well, what do you mean? Like, how would that work? Right, and I was like, I explained to them. Well, what if you what if you just simply put in your email address and your name and your mobile phone, mm-hmm. and the internet went and grabbed all of your social profile about you, so that mm-hmm. they could do some they could do some aggregation of all of the footprint that you have out there mm-hmm. to determine your background and skills. And they yeah. were like, that would feel awkward. Um, I was like, okay, well, what yeah, if it was... Lack of control freaks people Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, what if it was simply just upload a resume and it's over? Mm-hmm. And somebody said, you know what? There are two or three companies that I applied to in the last two years that that's all it was. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wanted to work for them more. Yep. Okay. Okay. So if you give them something simpler... They will they will remember that right. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. it, we're not creating a memory by giving them the status quo. Yeah. If we can if we can create a memory of giving them something that was simple and easy and um, engaging, then they're going to remember that right. So I I do think that this is a problem that we need to continue to solve. So I want to inject I want to inject right there. Yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking of. Um, I don't know, you're in Ohio, so I don't think there's a Uniglo there, but for those of you in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and I think one or two other places, Uniglo is effectively like the Japanese gap. And when you give them your credit card to pay for whatever socks and shirts you're buying, they take your credit card with two hands and they treat the credit card with respect. Now, people who are Japanophiles, they go, yeah, that's pretty standard in Japan. And you'd say, yeah, I'm in Chicago. Uh, That is not standard at all. But it's a stupid gesture to say, I am treating this payment transaction process with some measure of respect where it's not just someone grabbing your card, swiping it through like it's a piece of junk and then Mm -hmm. flinging it back at you. Tiny little things like that make huge, huge impressionable differences. Yes. I mean, they really do. I was reading this, I'm reading this book right now called The Power of Moments. And it's it's all about creating experience, and it's a really good book. So if you guys are listening to this, go check it out of your library or pick it up on Amazon. It's mm-hmm. it's a stand it's a standout book. But I'm reading this book, and it, it's talking about a hotel that I stayed at once, mm. and and I remember the hotel vividly mm-hmm. as a great experience. And it was not like the fanciest hotel I've ever stayed in. It was it was it actually reminded me of staying at Melrose Place. Like it it had that. <laughs> Not kidding you. So it was like these apartments everybody and whatever. Everybody was sleeping with everybody. Yeah, everybody, it was there crazy. Were camera crews around. Someone yes. tried to kill someone. And there it was, was like fantastic. This, there was this random pool in the middle of the courtyard. <laughs> like it was the whole thing was 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 kitschy. Oh, um, but they they did things like they had a a snack menu. And your room, they had snack menu, movie menu, and you would just literally call down to the front desk and say, okay, well, I would like a bag of M&Ms and some Twizzlers and some microwave popcorn and mm-hmm. these two movies. And they would, no, no charge, just bring it up to your room. Nice. 
But then what the thing that I missed and made me mad that I read about in the book, hmm. apparently there's a red phone by the pool. <laughs> okay. When you pick up the red phone, they answer popsicle hotline. What oh flavor would goodness. you like? Oh my goodness. And they bring out white glove, silver tray, mm-hmm. popsicles mm-hmm. On, out to the pool. So that element of surprise and delight, we've got to figure out a yeah. way to put some element of surprise and delight, not just in the application process, but mm-hmm. in the discovery process, in yeah. the onboarding process, in the review process. And the bar is so low. Anything, so low! Anything that is just interesting or different is something that's memorable. Yeah, exactly. They weren't even good popsicles that you were getting, but the fact that there was a stupid red phone they paid for once, and yes. someone who knows that when line 444 rings, you just say, popsicle hotline. Exactly. That's all it takes. It doesn't take... Uh, a staff of five. It doesn't no. take, you know, budget line item. It doesn't, it's not a capital campaign. It's just, gosh, what would I find amusing? Boom. Right. And think about this too. There's a level of training, right? So if we mm-hmm. spent a little bit more time developing training that was engaging, because training today, not yeah. so much. Yeah. Um, but like, what if you were training your managers on how to give a great review? What if you were training people on how to onboard people with elegance? Like, yeah. what if everybody in the office had to take mandatory onboarding training? And you knew on day one that you were going to go visit the new hire and say hello at 1045. Mm-hmm. Right? And you just, you have to train people. You have to, if you're going to develop that experience of the red popsicle hotline, mm-hmm. everybody has to be on board with it. Yeah. Yeah, it can't just be a, a side thing. It can't be right. Bob's goofy idea that Bob decides to man because Bob finds it funny. Right. Interesting. Now, one of the other things, though, I was talking about this application process with all these silver medalists. The other thing I was talking about was review sites. Okay. And I'm asking them, okay, so, you know, do you visit review sites? And I didn't single anybody out, right? Mm-hmm. I was just, because there's a lot of choices. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you visit these sites? And they all, pretty much all, I would say 80 plus percent. Mm-hmm. I visit it, but I simply visit it for salary. Mm. I'm like, do you read the reviews? And they said no. And I asked them why. I'm like, what would the, people are putting this information out there for you to get a better sense. Like, I've, I find these tools incredibly valuable yeah. because I want to know the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Um, but the general job-seeking population thinks that it's either somebody highly disgruntled or somebody that's been compensated or encouraged mm-hmm. to write something nice. Yeah. So they said if they read anything, so the people that read them, they said they read the threes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's interesting. And I, I was like, so do you have a point of view, like when you're reading the threes, is it better if the brand responds, like if the company responds? And they're like, oh, yeah, but it's still the canned response. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's there's a lot going on there. There's a lot to unpack in all yeah. these interviews because you and I are so close to this whole thing yeah. that we every now and then forget to go, oh wait, their experiences look apply higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I'll say that I think there's an opportunity, even if they're quote unquote not reading or if they're picking what selected readings or if the responses are canned, there are ways of using those touch points. I mean, just like I didn't have to put the phone out by the pool, but I decided to create a touch point. Correct. You can use every single touch point to increase or to direct attention or to direct an idea. It's just that if you decide to do lowest common denominator, canned answers, 
baseline things, you're going to get baseline people back. And it's the, yeah. it's the company who says, I'm willing to say, no, this is what we're really all about. And this is what we care about. And it may not be obvious on first glance, but you start to, a candidate absorbs that idea. And in the same way, like if you go on a date and somebody's giving you the heebie-jeebies, you can't always put your <laughs> finger on why that guy or girl is, yeah, that's not no good. I'm not good. But at the same time, the person you fall in love with, can you point to the same thing? No, of course not. It's a set of inferences and ideas and, you know, patterns that are repeated and it's just so many different things and none of them that you can say, ah, because we put the red phone by the pool. And by the way, I'm stealing the concept of a red pool by the phone as being like the, you know, like a, the, the, the show that jumped the shark. This is the thing, the goofy, crazy thing that you could be doing to spark joy that is the easiest thing in the world that you've chosen not to do. So that's that's yeah, just, our, that's the big yeah. metaphor for the entire industry now. Right. And just and just make sure that we credit the Heath brothers for their research on this one. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. This is this is directly from their book. And yeah. I again I loved I'm loving the book. It's really it's really powerful. Um but yeah, the red phone. Why, why aren't we doing more red phones? Yeah. That honestly I think that has to be the metaphor. It has to be it, and so coming from Groupon, you know, this is a company that effectively its DNA was goofy. It was super well known in its day for really interesting copywriting. Um, you know, they were literally uh, sales emails that you were interested to read. They were well written. They were engaging. And they had a big space cat in the in the foyer, the Chicago office. And okay. Over and literally, it was, it's like seven or eight feet wide it's massive um and some goofy sculpture but over time as the company started to get more set in its ways and become more dare i say hrified that it became process and let's avoid the lawyers let's avoid legal let's keep it simple the fun went away but you'd mm -hmm. see these traces like you know it was like it was like a big appendix sitting out in the lobby of this is how fun we used to be <laughs> we used to have a space cat that was just a thing. And literally now you can't, if you Google space cat Groupon, it's hard to find stuff. Yeah. It's literally been that kind of depreciated inside their own sense of why they work there. And it's interesting to say, no one got paid to say, what if we had a big space cat? Someone yep. said, you know, be goofy. Let's make a space cat. And it turned out that it sparked joy in somebody. And that's what they wanted their brand to be. And that was great. But, you know, keeping that going is hard to do. Yeah, it, that is the thing, right? So I remember talking to Elin Bailey at Intel a couple of years ago, and, and she and I were just riffing on the fact that everybody thinks that all of the things that we're doing in talent experience, recruitment marketing, and employer brand is, it's never done. Yeah. Right? And yeah. culture, like culture work, employee experience. This is never done. This is a garden. And if you don't water that garden, mm. you're going to get weeds. Yeah. You are going to get dead flowers. And nobody wants that. But you have to continue to tend to that garden all the time. Right? And you have to be taking its temperature. You have to be measuring the health of your garden at any given time. Yeah. But sometimes we get in there and we, you know, we get really excited about the brand launch, mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. we're all gonna sit back and take a couple weeks to take a deep breath oh, and please. maybe debrief about it, or oh, maybe please. not. <laughs> Who takes a couple weeks to do anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen this happen. Like I've seen people like, okay, we launched. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what, the, yeah, that's what the happens when they, when they hand the employer brand to a part-time recruiter. And it's like, okay, twenty percent of your time is also employer brand. Well, they do it, and then they have to go back to their quote-unquote day job of recruiting and sourcing. It's like, yeah, yep. no wonder that thing isn't going to stick. Correct. Yeah. Right? There's nobody tending the garden. No. And even, like, I've even seen, um, 
you know, I've even seen people with professional employer brand teams, not just a person, but teams who are then on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And the next thing may have nothing to do with the brand. And I look at their, I look at their plans. I look at what they're doing. (laughs) I look at, I look at this and I'm like, where's optimization on your plan? Yeah. Right. Are you, right. Are you ever studying to see what's, what's resonating? Um, And I've, I've spent too many years um, in consumer and recruitment marketing to know, like, this all has to be done in a lean methodology. Like, we have to learn, you know, learn, measure, build all the time. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we forget to to learn and to measure. We yeah. just start building. I mean, honestly, even and, and learning and measuring is incredibly valuable. But I also think that there is no such thing as a campaign that should be a standalone. Everything should build on itself. Should yes. Connect the dots. It should, you know, take a piece of uh, content from this project and take a story from that project. They should come together and glue together to form a brand new idea, or at least become the raw materials for the next thing. You're always just making these bricks and saying, okay, what is the house I want to build today? Yep. Yeah. There's there's a lot of tactics, not a lot of strategy. Totally true. Totally and true. I saw this. I, it might have been convince and convert. It was a. It was a social. Mm-hmm. It was a social. A social marketing uh, blog that I follow pretty religiously. And Jay Bear. Um, they, huh? That's Jay Bear, right? Yeah, I think it's Jay. Yeah. But it. It might have been. It was. I think it was research from Buffer that they published on convince, convince and convert. Mm-hmm. And it said fifty percent of organizations using social actively today mm. have no strategy. No. That's consumer marketing. So what do you think it's like in recruitment marketing? <laughs> as as someone who used to sell social media services to recruiting teams, he says, <laughs> yeah, I'm just bracketing in that whole statement. Yeah, the goal was to get companies to to agree to X number of tweets a week. It wasn't about what should the tweet do. It wasn't about what the outcome should be. It should be it was all about how do we fill calendars and how do we set cadence? Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? It doesn't drive value. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. You have to like, and it was funny because, um, you know, starting my own, going back to my own business, I was mm-hmm. like, oh God, I've got to write my own marketing strategy. <laughs> like there was this whole cobbler's children has no shoes yeah, exactly. moment a couple weeks ago. I was like, okay, well, what are my content pillars and what are my channels? And like, I was like, oh man, this is painful. Like I, I there must've been, I must've done three laps around my desk every five minutes. So I was like, oh, stretching my arms, like stretching my, I don't even know what I'm saying. Okay, it's time Someone's to go for a, a walk. a kinetic learner. Yeah, so (laughs) I was just like, man, this is harder than it looks. Um, But, uh, you know, but this is something that I do for people all the time. But doing it for yourself is really challenging, which is why, like, I've seen this pendulum swing um, on all sides of marketing, whether it's recruiting or consumer or B2B. You know, we go through this pendulum swing of over-reliance on agency to over-reliance on internal. Mm -hmm. And that moment when we're kind of in the middle is where it's really good, right? So too much agency, you don't get get enough of the brand influence, Mm -hmm. too much brand you don't get enough of the outsider influence yeah. uh, but you've got to you got to hit that sweet spot so so we kind of need each other there's this great symbiosis in the world where you have to have that outside perspective you have to have that 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 candidate perspective to really de- define and design what it is that you're going to be bringing to the table that's going to be meaningful yeah. and so many times i see you know oh we're going to do these we're going to do all these focus groups in our own company i was like are you are you going to talk to the people outside your company i mean we don't even know where to start with that i do (laughs) you need to do that (laughs) but that's that's a thing like if and if you do you're gonna just it's just in this beautiful effort navel navel gazing right so we we can't 
the external voice has to be infused. Yeah. You know, that perception of who you are. The David C. Baker, who writes uh, and has a, has a couple books that are amazing and a podcast I love, Two Bobs, he says, it's impossible to read the label from the inside of the jar. If you really want to understand what this company is all about, you Thank have you. to have some sort of outside perspective. And I'm, I'm stealing it and I'm using it. So there you go. That's brilliant. There you go. All right, Tracy, we have... Uh, I think we had one or two smart moments. I think it was 41 minutes of, of us just being goofy. Uh, but I'm hoping somebody got something out of this. I had a blast, as I always do with you. Um, for those of you who want to learn more about Tracy, she is at T Parsons on Twitter. She's also ParsonsSC.com. She is easily findable on the web if you literally just type Tracy Parsons. For whatever reason, a fairly simple, straightforward name Pop, you prop right up. I, there is a million James Ellis's, so I, I wish I could say the same thing. So I'm jealous of your SEO ability. Congratulations. Oh, on thank that. you. I had nothing to do with it. Exactly. You could, <laughs> well, thank your parents for that one. Um, I guess. I mean, no, no. Go? If you, you know, you should, you could also Google my maiden name, which is Hubiak. Um, you gave so, that up? Oh, my goodness. That's amazingly yeah. SEO able. All right. Oh, yeah. No, Tracy Parsons is a lot easier. But now I don't know who's calling me as a phone solicitor. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Tracy, thanks so much for being here Thank for you, experimenting James. with me on this very first time of doing a, a just a goofy chat like this. So I, I had a blast. I hope everybody listened had a blast too. If you enjoy the podcast, keep listening. Tell a friend. Do the review dance on iTunes and Play and all those other places. Uh, go give Tracy the business. Um, and uh, I'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of The Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.